I'm Jorge Salazar with the Texas Advanced Computing Center. The World Wide Web is like an iceberg, with most of its data hidden below the surface. There lies the deep web, estimated at 500 times bigger than the surface web that most people see through search engines like Google. An innovative data-intensive supercomputer attack called Wrangler is helping researchers get meaningful answers from the hidden data of the public web. Wrangler uses 600 terabytes of flash storage that quickly reads and writes files. This lets it fly past bottlenecks with big data that can slow down even the fastest computers. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Chris Matman, Chief Architect of the Instrument and Science Data Systems Section of NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory at the California Institute of Technology. Matman is also an adjunct associate professor of computer science at the University of Southern California and a member of the board of directors for the Apache Software Foundation. Chris Matman, welcome to the podcast. Hey, anytime, Jorge. Thanks for having me. So tell us about some of these projects that you're working on that are using the Wrangler data-intensive supercomputer here at TAC. One project is called DRAT, I guess, DRAT, or it's a distributed release audit tool that was developed out of Caltech Jet Propulsion Laboratory and the University of Southern California. From what I understand, what it does is that it's an automated tool that verifies the software licenses of large code bases that could have um, many, many, many different kinds of software licenses. Sure. Just say drat like drat. You know, that's the way I say it. It's like dope, like Homer Simpson. But uh, that's the way we came up with it. You know, drat started in uh, a Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency or DARPA project called XData. The kind of original motivation for it is XData was this large national scale presidential initiative, $100 million funded program, 24 performers, and we were building analytics and visualizations, you know, some of the best people in the world. And we were putting together this sort of internal code repository to kind of capture all the performers' code. And the repository was fairly large. You know, it was hundreds of millions of source lines of code and millions of files and things. At the end of the first summer, and every summer we had a two-month hackathon in Washington, D.C., to work on kind of integrating and mashing together these analytics and visualizations we were building. At the end of the first summer, the program, DARPA, basically kind of asked the question, was like, what do we got in the repository? And, and what do we got from sort of the following perspectives? Like, what do we got in terms of the code that people checked in? Uh, what do we got? You know, are the performers following the license prospectus and policy kind of put out by DARPA, which was to use permissive and open source licenses, just to kind of do an audit of that repository. And so I was given the task to do that, my team at a NASA JPL. So I picked up an open source off-the-shelf tool called RAT, the release audit tool, which is an Apache project uh, that we use quite frequently to basically do this type of uh, open source auditing, code auditing, and things like that. And so what we found after running RAT on this very large code repository was that after about three or four weeks, RAT still hadn't completed. <laughs> we were running it on a supercomputer, very large cloud computer, and we just couldn't get it to complete. Joining us to explain what went wrong with RAT is Karen Jeet Singh, a graduate student at USC who has been working with Chris Matman at NASA JPL on DRAT and other projects using Wrangler. RAT got stuck on binary files, Singh said. Binary files generally uh, does not have their license attached to it. This was the biggest hurdle in Apache RAT where it was not able to act fast across different uh, MIME types and where in Apache Tika came and you know, it segregated the files into sections. 
and we ran Apache Rat on one specific file type, which enhanced the speed from two days to two to three hours on a local system, which was huge improvement. We obviously used the mapper and reducer kind of framework in DRAT to run the jobs distributedly that also helps to parallelize the Apache RAT functionality. Where Wrangler comes in is that after we did that, over the next few years, DARPA continued to ask us to do it. And so we kind of got into the business of large-scale code analysis. And then a number of other projects came to us wanting to do this. Like we participated in this Open Science Code Fest that was run. It was an NSF-sponsored workshop run out of NCs at UC Santa Barbara. They wanted us to do it. Uh, we started to get involved in NSF EarthCube. So people that were building software modeling code for climate there, very large codes, very similar, including this complex infrastructure for geodynamics, which was a very large climate modeling code. They asked us, you know, they had a question, hey, all these scientists, we're not sure if they're putting licenses on their code or open source things or if they're using the right components. And, and so we did a very big, large auditing for them. And so as we started to get more requests for this, so now fast forward, so Wrangler kind of gets funded. I was on the advisory board for that, and I was looking for something to do with Wrangler. And so we thought this was a perfect use case as people started to ask us to do more and more of these code analyses to scale up and um, give it a shot and see if we get it running on Wrangler. And we also felt that this would be a good way to sort of gain our understanding, you know, doing this sort of, you know, relatively simple MapReduce workflow, you know, after we built Drop, but use that to sort of gain an understanding of how to use and how to commission Wrangler. And so that's kind of how we, how we got to that. We have all the tools and equipments on Wrangler, thanks to the TAC team here. What we did, we just configured our Drat tool on Wrangler and ran distributedly with the compute nodes are, which are there in Wrangler. What we did was we scanned whole Apache SVN repositories, which includes all of the Apache open source projects that were there back in 2015. And we did a scan of licenses for each of those projects. Since we have Apache Tika running in the background, so we have the opportunity to, to actually see uh, which project has what kind of files in majority. Is it a Java project in major or is it a Python project in major? And as a result, we found a lot of projects which are out of compliance and a lot of projects which are very much in compliance to the licenses. We also uh, did a visualization on top of that to get a better idea on different projects like how they are performing. And we ran whole of this cycle in one and a half to two weeks with, uh, honestly speaking, with breaks. So if this whole process is automated from start to end, it can complete in, in one week. And we, we scanned around 19 uh, billion files, I think the whole of uh, Apache SVN. That, that's huge, that's huge. And Wrangler helped a lot in that case. I'd like to get you to talk about another project that DARPA is behind. It's called Memex, and I guess it's kind of looking for things that are hidden on the internet. These are um, what are called the dark web, places where um, Google search engines don't reach. And they're also related to illegal activities, um, such as human trafficking. Could you tell us a little bit more about this other project that's called Memex and some of the work that you're doing with Wrangler here? 
Yeah, so Mamex started in 2014, and um, I'm one of the funded investigators, uh, the only one out of NASA on the project. The original goal of Memex was to basically build a new, just like the goal of the ARPANET at DARPA was to sort of bring about kind of this new cross-exchange, multi-exchange uh, way to see files and share information, which eventually became the Internet. Memex, to me, is that for search and for search engines. DARPA is really trying to bring about a new type of search engine. The motivation was a lot of things that you just talked about is that people use the public internet in nefarious ways, and we typically call that the deep web. So behind forms and logins and things like that, there are people doing bad things. Behind the dynamic portions of the web, like Ajax and JavaScript, people are doing nefarious things. And then behind usually images, videos, multimedia, and things that crawlers typically ignore, uh, they're doing the same thing. So people are going on a forum site and they're posting a picture of a woman that they're trafficking and they're asking for payment for that. People are going on uh, a different site and they're posting up some illicit drugs to sell or weapons or guns and things like that. Related to that, um, there's also another portion of the internet that's fairly new and it's called the dark web. And that's only accessible through a special browser and client and protocol that's called Tor. And on the dark web, they're doing even more nefarious things. <laughs> they're, you know, they're basically doing these activities and then they're tying them back to terrorism and things. Terrorisms are, terrorists are putting up, you know, people to sell. They're putting up guns and, or, you know, other munitions. They're selling people's organs and things like this. Some of this information, again, is sort of public on the deep web, but just very hard for traditional search engines and crawlers to access and make available to law enforcement. And um, others, uh, we, we never really had a Google for it. We never had a Google for the, the dark web. And so the goal of Memex was to provide sort of search engines, information retrieval capacity to deal with those situations and to help defense and law enforcement kind of go after the bad guys there. Our interest in it from an ASP perspective was to help sort of bring about or accelerate these search engines technologies that we also use for our science archives and missions to find data, you know, to make it more available and to take advantage of those benefits. In other words, if we can make crawlers and search engines understand what's in images and videos and things like that, well, you know, our instruments and science instruments take images and videos too. If we can make crawlers better understand web pages and better understand the deep web and the dark web, well, we can use those to our advantage to make our science information, which has very similar characteristics, more available as well. And so that's sort of been our involvement there. Now, where does Wrangler come in? Well, all of these activities require very large crawling capabilities. And so our framework of choice, the thing that we're funded for is that my team at JPL, USC, and Apache have a lot of experience in the Apache Nutch framework, which is where Hadoop originally spun out of. And so I'm a member of the Apache Nutch project management committee and helped sort of bring about the, well, the bringing about of Hadoop. Um, you know, it came out of our project. And so um, Wrangler as a platform to run very large Hadoop-based and Spark-based crawling jobs is fantastic. It's a resource that we didn't have before, you know, as a mechanism to kind of do research, to go out and test our algorithms and our new search engines and our crawlers on these sites, um, and to kind of evaluate the extractions and analytics and things like that sort of afterwards. And so Wrangler has been just 
a amazing resource to kind of help us do that, to run these large scale crawls, to do these types of evaluations, to help develop techniques that are helping save people and stop crime and stop terrorism around the world. Google, in a real simple way of, of explaining it, <laughs> uh, they use MapReduce for their search. How is your project different than what Google is doing? Google is a wide search engine which provides you to search any kind of information that you need, but would be limited if you are seeking a domain-specific information. So Memex is a program where the people who have invested in this program, especially DARPA, is interested to know about some domains like human trafficking and illegal sales of weapons. And it also, uh, like I can speak of the positive part as well, like which is research papers, analyzing those uh, which are there in the market. So these kind of domain-specific information is very difficult to find over such public search engines like Google. Through Memex, like we are trying to make some domain-specific aggregated data, which can provide you the results as well as the statistics and the graphs uh, based on whatever questions you ask. So right now, if you go to Google, use a search of terms and you get the top 10 results ranked by their page rank algorithm, which is, again, backed up by the Google policies of getting the page rank higher, which is fair enough. But a person looking only for the information, not for the topmost information or more popular, would prefer such system which can yield as much information as it can and back those information by facts extracted from those web pages itself in form of graphs or numbers. So we are trying to build that kind of system. And yeah, we, we have tools. So once we extract all this information, we apply a lot of other tools like NER and sentiment analysis, topic summarization, these kind of tools to extract what is there actually in those web pages that we just pulled out from the web. Are those meaningful to the information that we are looking into or they are not relevant and we just crawl them like that. So a lot of things that arises while analyzing these web pages. For me, like I have been part of two domains. One that was when we were analyzing the illegal sales of weapons across US. And another one is the human trafficking, like how it is involved. And uh, if someone, let's say we have one system ready in front of us and there is some crime going on and the FBI comes in and, you know, they have some set of questions in front of them that these kind of things they need or they have some specific information like this is a person uh, with such hair color with a this much age and probably the best thing would be to mention a user ID on internet that person is using. So with all three information, if you feed all this information into the Memex system, Memex would actually search in the database that it has collected and would yield the web pages that match those information, would yield the statistics uh, like where this person has been or where it has been cited in geolocation and also in form of graphs, like it goes on. So a uh, couple of things have already been made uh, and a couple of things we have already in planning of how to present this kind of answers in a more better way that is it's directly applicable to 
to the end user. And the example that I'm giving here is more of the the cops and the FBI. Right. Yeah, this ability for, um, I guess, for computers to not only be able to search for things, but to be able to, in some ways, I guess, to be able to understand what they are and be able to understand what you want so that they can give you um, the information that you want. This, this kind of leads me into my next, the next project. And we're talking about a lot of projects today. Yeah, I know. You know? <laughs> um, so you're a very busy person. One project uh, that I wanted to speak with you about uh, something uh, developed out of Google. We were just talking about Google. Um, TensorFlow. And this is uh, a project of um, what's described as machine, machine learning that can, we've gone beyond just being able to um, scan people's face, but we, but now I guess computers are able to know from an image that it is a person's face or it is, as opposed to um, a street sign or, or something else, a cloud or whatever. And the question is directly linked to my previous project, which is Memex, uh, where we are trying to uh, find links between the information and try to extract facts uh, from web pages and I should also say images. That's where TensorFlow helps. So TensorFlow uh, gives you a lot of capability uh, to extract objects from images through the deep learning techniques. Um, they have literally, uh, Google have literally gone beyond the machine or basic machine learning techniques and they use a very good algorithm to extract objects automatically from those uh, images. and. Definitely, you can tune more to get more information or, you know, adjust it to have more accurate information from images. We've been interested in TensorFlow because along with TensorFlow are some existing models that people have trained that you can very rapidly apply. And one in particular that we were really interested in was um, something called the Inception version 3 model that's part of TensorFlow, which is a trained image classifier. It can take an image and spit out a set of descriptors like, in your example, you know, you could take an image and say this is a cat or this is a fish or things like that. For us, we were really interested in applying TensorFlow to some of our very large corpuses uh, on projects like Memex, where we have, happen to have a lot of multimedia. Um, we have a lot of images and videos and things that we've collected from our crawls of the web and things like that. And to use it to see if we can, you know, emit descriptors that are useful, for instance, in catching a bad guy, saving somebody, identifying an illegal weapon, you know, identifying something like a counterfeit electronics and things like this. And so where does Wrangler enter into this? Well, you know, Wrangler's um, moving into providing TensorFlow as sort of a capability, right? Um, and so one of the traditional things that sort of stopped regular Joe people from really, really taking advantage of very large scale machine learning is that a lot of these toolkits like TensorFlow are optimized for a particular type of hardware, GPUs or graphics processing units. And a lot of regular computers, you know, they might have it in a video card or whatever, but they don't have these explicit sort of GPU boards and things like that that these frameworks are really optimized for. So Wrangler providing the types of GPU type of hardware on top of its petabyte of flash storage and all the other advantages and types of machines that it provides is fantastic. It lets us do this at a very large scale over lots of data and run these sort of machine learning classifiers and these toolkits and models that exist. And so that's tech work that we're doing. You know, one project that I didn't email you about was um, some work that you're doing with Apache, the frameworks Apache Tika and Apache Spark. And this is to extract content from, I guess, 
bad places that are bad to supercomputers, I guess, that are, that are very difficult for, um, for, for computers to be able to get content out of uh, using MapReduce. Uh, did I get that right? And could you tell us a little bit more about your work with Tika and Spark? All right. So most of the primary work that I do in computing nowadays is on Apache Tika. And so Apache Tico, we call it the digital babblefish, like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but the babblefish to your ear to understand any language. The goal of Tika is to provide any type of file, any file found on the internet or otherwise to it, and it'll understand it for you at the other end. And understanding it involves the following things. It extracts the text from the file, no matter what type of file. It could be an image, video, audio, HTML, document, whatever will extract text from it. And a lot of those investments and research approaches in Tika have been accelerated through this, these projects from DARPA and NASA and NSF that my group is funded by. So we I want to acknowledge them, appreciate them. So Tika will extract the text. It'll extract the metadata, which is typically you know the hidden properties of the files, like when it was created, who created it. But even more so nowadays, a lot of the metadata that we're extracting is based on these machine learning clustering and named entity recognition approaches. Who's in this image or who's it talking about in these files? The people, the places, the organizations, the dates, the times, because those are all very important things. Tika was one of the core technologies used. It was one of two. It was the one of two uh, core technologies used to uncover the Panama Papers global controversy of hiding money uh, in offshore global corporations. Um, and so Tika was one of the, along with Apache Lucene and Solar, which I helped to create and was part of, those two core technologies are what they used to go through all the, the leaked data there and make the connections between everybody, the companies and the people and, and whatever. And so a lot of that is sort of being engendered by the work that we're doing. So Tika extracts the text, the metadata, what language the text is in, because what language it's in is important to make sense of it. It does translation now. It can do machine translation by plugging into popular machine translation toolkits like Moses or Apache Joshua, which is an incubating project, or just service-based translation like Google or Bing, Lingo24, things like that. So where does Apache Spark come into this? So Apache Spark is basically an in-memory version of a Hadoop type of capability. MapReduce, but also very, you know, other types of complex workflows. Um, that aren't necessarily MapReduce or types of jobs like that. So Spark, I like to call it basically uh, shared memory over shared nothing computing. And that's basically what it is. It like turns a bunch of shared nothing computing architectures into like a mainframe type of thing. It intelligently shares memory, you know, between them and so on and so forth. And so Spark can improve uh, the speed of Hadoop type of jobs by a factor of 100 to 1,000, depending on the underlying type of hardware that's sort of game changing. And so a lot of companies are deploying that and, and things like that. And so we've been spending a lot of effort trying to marry the extraction, identification, content detection, and analysis processes of Tika on top of frameworks like Spark. And so having the ability to do that type of work on Wrangler allows us to do very large scale kind of extractions over all of these types of data and to provide these sort of extracted features uh, over a corpus that people can interrogate and use and query and so on and so forth. So. Thank you very much for taking this time out to speak with us today. Anytime, Jorge. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Chris Matman of NASA JPL and graduate student Karen Jeet Singh. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar. <laughs>